Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. All right. Well, good morning. It is very, very, very good to be here with you guys. I haven't been here in like forever, so I'm sure you miss me as much as I missed you. Obviously not, because Matt just said hi to my child and completely ignored me, so i got to forget about that. So, anyhow, uh, well, good morning, um, and uh, I'm just excited about this day. Let's, uh, we got the ushers, we're going to do our offering right now. Sorry, Dad. Um, so if the ushers want to come forward, we're going to pass the offering baskets around. If this, if this is your home, um, just please let this be a part of your worship, um, and just, uh, let me, you know, let me pray for it right now before we pass it around, so. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this morning, and thank you for the worship, and uh, we just pray, Lord, that right now you would just open our hearts, Lord, to, uh, to just hear from you. We pray right now for the offering, Lord, that um, all this money is your money, Lord, um, it always has been, and help us to give and help us to uh, um, just to use the money that, that's provided, Lord, for your glory, and uh, we just pray that you would be with us this morning. Amen. So the offering baskets are going to come around. Um, also, there was something else I was supposed to tell you. Oh, if you need, after the offering baskets go around, if you need Bibles, let the, let the ushers know. A couple quick announcements, and then I'll get out of here. Oak Ridge is December 27th to the 29th. Anybody know who's heard of Oak Ridge so far? All right, Oak Ridge is a Young Life camp down in uh, inland San Diego. Bill, I'm going to have you stand right here. It's uh, in inland San Diego. We're going to go down there as a family, as a big family. Uh, it's our big family church trip. We go down and we serve that camp. We do things like building, uh, cleaning things out, and just pretty much prepping the camp for all the kids that come. It's a Young Life camp where kids come and have probably never heard of Jesus. Um, I've led a lot of junior high groups down there and uh, seen a lot of kids come to know the Lord in that camp exactly. So for me, it's a really, really amazing place uh, for that. So we're going to go as a family and just kind of hang. We work in the morning. We hang out in the afternoon. There's skateboard park. There's craziness. We do a skit night. You might see some crazy skits every night in front from maybe like me and Lindsay Clark, and we're hilarious, just so you know. Uh, so please come and look at that. Um, so that's the 27th through the 29th. There's signups in the back. You can also sign up on the website. It's $60 for adults, $30 for kids, and that gets you all your food and lodging. You like stay in these big rooms with bunk beds, and you know, if you don't have babies, it's amazing. <laughs> if you have babies... If you have babies, it's amazing, too, I promise. Um, okay. So, anyhow, please sign up for that. They also sign up in the back. Also, my mom, Laura Mall, back there in the corner with the blue shirt. She's awesome. You can sign up with her. Um, Branches Mall. There's a flyer that you probably just sat on along with the connection card. The connection card, please fill that out. If, if you're not getting the emails, you're not finding out information, um, we communicate everything via internet. We're a... We're a techie group here. So please fill that out. Um, if you need prayer, please put that on there. We just want to be able to communicate with you, and especially because we're a, a fluid church that moves all over the place. So we may not be here next week when you show up. Um, so you need to know that, but we will be here. So that was a bad announcement. Anyhow, um, the Branches Mall is next Sunday, and that's here. So it turns out we are here next week. Um, that's going to be right out back. And it's just, it's basically in the Christmas season, you get a lot and you give a lot. But this is a way where you can support ministries that are local and global, basically, um, with your Christmas presents. You can buy 
they have amazing jewelry and hats and and so you can support a kid. You can buy a goat for a community. You can do a whole bunch of stuff um, just to basically share the love of Jesus with people and support organizations that are out there doing that. So please come. Bring your checkbooks. Um, and uh, it's a really, really, really neat time to just kind of hang. There will be a bunch of booths set up out here um, for you guys to shop at. Offering. Nailed it. Got it. Uh, info table in the back. Any kind of information t- that you need, there is a table in the back. Kim is just eyeballing me. Am I doing good? Wrap it up. Okay. Uh, Information table in the back and connection cards. Got that. Okay. I'm going to call up Chris Smith. So you guys are here for Chris. And he's going to share the word with us this morning. We're good? Thank you. This is a very small pulpit. Got a little handle. Nice. Boogie size. Yeah, boogie size. No, they made him boogie size. Well, I must say, hi, I'm Chris, by the way. Great to be with you. My wife, Cheryl, my boys are here. And uh, we've been here. I feel a little funny with this thing hanging in my face, but I won't mind it if you don't. But uh, it's really good to be with you again. I was here about a year and a half ago, I think. And I've been friends with Boogie uh, now for quite a few years. And so it's a privilege to be here with you. I never take these times for granted. been praying seeking God for this church as to what he wants to do this morning. And uh, Boogie gave me some direction about where you're going as a church. And so we'll just trust God together that he'll, he'll bring all these things together. Amen? Yeah, all right, you guys respond. I like that. It means you're somewhat awake. That's good. Why don't we just, I really felt as we get to this time, I'd like us to just pray for Boogie and Steph as they're away, just to get God to refresh them. Let's just pray for them. Father, We thank you, Lord, for those that you call to lead your church. It's not an easy task, but it's an incredibly rewarding one. We just lift up Boog and Steph and the kids and just their time away, Lord. Protect them, encourage them, refresh them. Let them just get to know each other again. Bless their marriage, bless their parenting. Lord, revive their soul, re-envision them in this time away. And bring them back, Father, with wonderful things that you have for their lives, for this church, for this community and for your kingdom. And Lord, as we open your word now, we just ask you, Spirit of God, speak to us. God, we don't want to come today and have a nice little time and go. Lord, we want to meet with you. We want to hear your voice. We want to know your will. God, we want you to adjust the things in us that need to change and to grow us bigger on the inside. Have your way, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me, I guess say it ahead of time. I tend to be a slightly passionate guy. And if I don't smile a lot, it's not because I'm angry. And if I get loud, it's not because I'm angry. I just, I love this God that we serve. I love his people. I believe that God has so much more for us than we have any idea of. And so we just, every time I get the privilege of preaching his word, I trust that God will break in upon us and do things that are supernatural inside every one of us. And this morning, what Boogie asked me to share with us is in regard to worship. And what that means as a community, why do we gather together? Why do we worship? What does it mean to worship? And for us, so often, we we think worship is what just happened. The band got up and they sang a few songs and that was worship. And now we'll get on with the next thing. But what I want us to do, what I believe God wants to do is as we open his word to not only understand why we worship and have a better understanding of it and be gripped by it, but also to understand that worship is far bigger than just a few songs on a Sunday morning. 
So turn with you, if you would, to Psalm 96. If you don't have a Bible, maybe someone next to you does. Lean over, get cozy. If you don't have a Bible, then get one. You need it for yourself because God gave it to us so we could know Him better. And reading your Bible is actually worship. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Friends, one of the things that we are guilty of, certainly in the first world context of America and places like this, is we get robbed of the essence of who God is. You see, we have a low view of God. We tend to think of him as our buddy, as our sidekick, as the guy we go to when things fall apart. And though he is and does by his grace call us friend, and by his incredible mercy, he is there for us in those dire times. Friends, God is still God. There is only one God. There is no other God. There aren't other gods to seek. This isn't one along the journey. He is the one and only God. And what the scriptures are telling us here and the psalmist is reminding us of is that there are other little G gods or other things that people worship, but there's only one true God. You see, too often we worship God or we we come and we sing and we give ourselves to God to the degree which he gives us stuff. But what I believe God wants us to understand is putting aside everything God does for us and has done for us. God is still God. God is still the creator of the heavens and the earth. God still spoke and everything that is around us became. One of the songs we sang this morning declared looking at the stars, looking at the trees, looking at the skies and how they just bring glory to God. Friends, God spoke those things into being. And I know some people who are great craftsmen. They can sit with their hands and make some incredible things. But you see, God didn't even have to use his hands. God simply spoke a word and the universe was created. God spoke a word and the planets and the stars that scientists are still discovering came into being. God spoke a word and the sun sat where it is and the earth the exact distance it needed to be with the exact rotation around the sun and the exact rotation of the earth with the moon just in place so that this planet among the millions that he created could sustain our life with gravity and atmosphere and the right heat and the right cooling. And you see, some of that stuff may seem a little beyond, but friends, there is an incredible creator who spoke all these things into being. And God doesn't need anything because as soon as he needs something from us, he ceases to be God. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our time. We actually need to worship him. It's something he put within us when he created us. But you see, God is worthy of being worshipped even if he does nothing for us because he's God. Are you with me? We live in a society typically where it's a give and take. You give and I'll take, or sometimes that's the wrong way, but you give and I'll give back and it's that sort of a give and take thing. Friends, God is worthy of praise. God has always been worthy of our praise and worship. 
It goes on in verse 6, it says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe or credit to God, O families of nations. Recognize God and his glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Friends, we need to allow our view of who God is to become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. He's not the God of Orange County. He's not the God of Branches Church or any other church. He's not the God of America or the God of just the earth. He is the God of the heavens and the earth. And just as people, it's amazing to watch people get overwhelmed when they get around a star. If you ever watch some of the videos of uh, the days of the Beatles, these guys, these young guys would get up there and do what they did, and people would go crazy, throw themselves, faint, pass out just to be around them. It's ridiculous. And yet we get into what the Bible tells us when God's people gather like this, God comes and is with us. His presence is here right now. He's God. He's chosen to come be with us. And in His majesty, in His incredible presence, He is everywhere on this earth with every group of Christians that gathers in His name, desiring to meet with us, desiring to touch us, desiring to change us, desiring for us to feel His presence and be forever transformed by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so when we get an opportunity to come together as a group, And we get an opportunity to be led in worship that declares how good He is and how vast He is. Friends, we should be captivated by Him. Amen? We shouldn't be distracted by anything. If anything, we should run into the building ahead of time and jump into worship before the meeting hits its time because we can't wait to come together to celebrate the King. There has to build into us an enthusiasm which is a word taken from a Greek, which is in theos, in God, enthusiasm in us, an excitement to worship the King. Many of us would be excited if our favorite star or our favorite leader, we got to sit and have a meal with them and we'd listen to every word they say and we'd wait for every moment and we'd long for it and we'd thank them. Friends, you right now, by God's grace, are in the presence of the Almighty God the creator of heaven and earth. And though we can't see him with our physical eyes, we can know that he's here because he's told us. We can feel his presence because he chooses to touch us. What people need when they come into church in this togetherness is they need God. And he's here. What those who don't know God come into a church and need to feel, they need to feel family. They need to have a good atmosphere, yes, but they need to be touched by him. And he comes when we worship. He comes when we praise. Are you with me? You're all looking at me very intensely. I know I get intense. My wife's telling me to smile. I just, someone told me a long time ago that when you preach, Chris, you cannot preach as if one sermon is going to change people's world. I highly disagree. Because one touch from God can change everything. And if God wants to touch you through his word and his presence, then I trust he will do it and he'll transform you. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. 
The first thing we need to allow happen in our hearts, what we need to allow happen in the life of the church, especially in America, is we need to regain a high view of God. We need to get a respect and an awe for Him that when God is here, when we call upon His name, when we come and we honor Him, it's not that we have to dress up in suit and tie. God doesn't care about that. But that there is an awe and reverence for Him. There is a putting aside everything else to honor the King. And so I want to encourage you, when you come together in these times, and there's a worship and there's a focus on Him, it's not because of the band or those things, although that, that certainly deserves respect, but when you come together, once the group begins to worship and honor God, may I encourage you, put down your coffee, put aside your stuff, put aside your conversation, shut off your cell phone, and worship the King. Surely He's worthy of that. Amen? Amen simply means so be it. Because you're trusting in it with me. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. The second thing I believe is key for us to understand worship and for it to become a culture of the church Again, first is a higher view of God. The second is a right view of ourselves. America is an amazing place. It's a wonderful country built upon men and women who gave everything, including their lives, to establish it. And they were men and women who got on their face before God. Our leaders prayed and cried out to God for wisdom. Everything about our Declaration of Independence, our government, the foundations and fabric of our nation is founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ and upon men who sought God. And you, the, the media can say what it wants and try and rub that away from our education. But friends, our nation was established upon God and His leading and men and women who sought Him. But you see, one thing that they had that we've lost over time is they also they understood who God was, but they also understood who they were in His presence. Far too often we get too big of an image of ourselves. We become more important than we should. And it's not that God doesn't care about us, quite the opposite. God knit us together in our mother's womb. Every single one of us was intricately designed and created in the womb of our parent, of our mom, by God. Not one of us is a mistake. Not one of us is an accident. We are not God's ant farm just put out there to see what happens. Every single person who has ever lived on the face of this earth was knit together in their mother's womb by the God of heaven. And so there is an innate value that God places on us. But friends, we must not buy into the world and honestly into the current American system that we are the center of it all. Because what happens for Christians in America in the first world country is we begin to take that into our faith. We become the center. Our songs become the center of our worship. Our, our, the preaching becomes the, centered around us instead of around Him. Let's pick up here in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees, and the Pharisees at that time were the religious leaders, very, very religious, very, very legalistic. It says, now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And understand the way that they ate, then they had a table and they usually put pillows or uh, comfortable blankets around the table. And you wouldn't sit at the table. You'd actually lay with your feet behind you and lean on the table in conversation and eat casually for for a long period of time. In verse 37, it says, When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And though that little statement may not seem like much, friends, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious order of the day, were very, very, 
very harsh on anyone who didn't live up to their standard. They just weren't harsh on themselves. And friends, religion for decades, religion for centuries, religion over the ages has tried to push people away from God. And what we see here, this is not just a woman who said, oh, Jesus is there. I'm going to go over to the house. She had to overcome the fact that everyone knew she was a sinful woman. And people have tried to figure out what it was. Was she a prostitute? What was her sin? But the point here is, is she had to overcome everything in her that had kept her away from church, kept her away from God, kept her away from anything that would redeem her. She had to overcome all that because she heard Jesus was there. And she pushed through and came into a religious leader's house. And it's not just like she just walked in the door and said hi and came and sat down like she lived there. She had to push through. She had to get through the door of all the religious people there and not care about what was going on there, but come to Jesus. This was a huge moment for this woman. She had to rise up in all of her shame and all of her sin and all of her brokenness because she knew something had come upon her. She knew that what she needed was Jesus and she wasn't going to let anything stand in her way. And it says that she brought that alabaster jar of perfume. An alabaster, an alabaster jar in that age was worth quite a bit itself. And then filled with perfume, quite often going to be worth a year's wages. So she took basically probably the most valuable thing she had, probably one of the only things she had. And she brought that to bring to Jesus, to say to him, I have nothing of worth, but I know that you're what I need. And so she, as she comes to him, it says, as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. She kissed them. And she poured perfume on them. Keeping in mind all that she had to overcome to be there. She didn't go into Jesus' face. She didn't get up in his face and say, please forgive me. In all of her shame and all of the guilt and all of the weight of her sin, she knew she needed Jesus. The best she could do, the most she could do is just come to his feet and bow before him and kiss his feet. And the tears that she wept, friends, they were tears of joy because she'd found her savior. They were tears of mourning because of the weight of her shame and her sin and all of the years of the things she had done. It was all of the weight of religion and all the weight of fear and all the weight of worry and all of the weight of brokenness pouring out through her upon Jesus feet. Because understand, a few tears wouldn't wet his feet. This was a mourning and a grieving and an outpouring from her heart. And she didn't come to wipe with a careful rag or clothes. She took her very own hair and wiped his feet. It was an incredible display of humility. And then she took this alabaster jar, probably again worth everything she had. And she poured it on his feet as a sacrifice to say, Lord, not only do I need you, but I worship you and I give you everything I have. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who's touching him and what kind of woman that she is, that she's a sinner. You see, this was a religious man. Pharisees knew the Bible. They knew the Old Testament. They knew of God. They knew that they should live rightly before God. But they were notorious for pushing other people away from God while living in sinning, sinful lives themselves. But instead of recognizing his own condition, he looked at her and said, if he knew, if this Jesus knew who, well, if he was really a prophet, he would know who's touching him. He would know this woman's a sinner. And you see, the difficulty is we become in, in, 
oftentimes we weigh out our sin. We look at others and say, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. Well, at least I didn't do that. Well, at least I've got some forgiveness. Friends, we have to understand that every single one of us is a sinner. Every single one of us is no better off than this woman. Every single one of us is in desperate need of a savior. Every single one of us, apart from Jesus Christ, is destined to bear our own sin, not just now, but into eternity. And though we can put on a Christian face and we can go to church and we can do the Christian thing, the truth is, unless our heart is broken before him like hers was, first of all, we will continue to carry those things. Second of all, we will never find the fullness of what salvation is meant to do. Deliver us from all of our sin. Are you with me? Jesus answered him in verse 40. He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Jesus knew what he was thinking. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii. And a denarii is a day's wage in that time. And the other owed him 50 denarii. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. Jesus said, you've judged correctly. Then he turned toward the one toward the woman, and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Because of all this, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus turned to her and said, your sins are forgiven. Friends, the point of the story that Jesus tells of the two people that owe the master isn't honestly about how much they owed. It was about recognizing the fact that neither of them could pay it back. Now, if I sat and gave you my testimony, and some of you who've known me over time know some of it, I was the 500 denarii guy. I was the guy who did all the stupid stuff for years and had no idea what I was doing. It wasn't until God got a hold of me when I was 22 and saved me. But friends, every one of us trespasses. You know what trespassing is? It's it's one of the older references to sin. If you have property, this is more in a rural area, but you have a property line that divides your property from the neighbor's property. And in order to trespass, how far across the line do you have to go? An inch. You're across, right? But you see, we like to rate things. We like to say, well, I've only put a toe across this line. But that guy, he's all the way on the other side. But you see, it's still a trespass. And because we stand before a perfect God, when we cross that line, no matter how far across we go, We are separated from him because of that sin, because of that trespass. And because of that trespass, we are separated from him for all eternity. That's why Jesus came. And so, friends, what we need to grasp from the story is all of us need someone to pay the debt that we cannot pay. And that someone is Jesus Christ. We sang this 
This morning, that song about him hanging on a tree. He didn't hang on that tree because it was something nice to put up in a church building. He hung upon that tree because he chose to lay his life down to pay the price for all of us that we couldn't pay. And the difficulty for us too often is we forget to recognize that we have been forgiven of our sins. We lose sight of the fact of how much God has saved us from and saved us into. We lose sight of the joy of being saved. I have a friend, he's an Irishman. Stands about this high, very quiet, very stoic. He was raised in Dublin. He was there in the time of when the Catholics and the Protestants were blowing up schools and blowing up churches and the IRA. It was just insanity. And he was a raging alcoholic. He and his wife. As they moved from there, getting out of Ireland at that time to South Africa, they got saved. God got a hold of them. And God saved this man who had been all of these things that he hated and all these things that he wished he could have been different. All the shame that this woman talks about he had. But God took that off of him. And so he was in a meeting one time and again, he's a little Irishman and you know, he's got this little bit of an Irish jig dance thing that he does. And, and he's worshiping God and his hands are up and he's dancing and he's celebrating. And at the end of the time, someone comes up and says to him, you know, do you really have to do all that? Do you really have to dance around and do all that? And Jim turned to him and said, Jesus saved me. He saved me. He saved an alcoholic and set him free. He redeemed a marriage that was broken. He took a man who was a wretch and turned him into a preacher of the gospel. Do I have to dance and celebrate him more than ever? And friends, we need to be captivated and captured by the fact that we have been saved by the grace of God, that his blood has set us free, that God himself hung upon a cross and bled and died for us, and that every day you get up, it is by his grace. Every day you walk in him, it is by his mercy. Every day that you are out there at your job and your family and God uses you, it is the incredible grace and goodness of God. And the fact is, is that when you die, no matter when that day comes, you don't have to fear death anymore. There's a world out there clinging on to life as best it can. And yet for us, when death comes, it's a welcome transition from this life into a brand new body, into a brand new eternity. Again, that we sang about this morning where there'll be no more mourning, no more tears, no more death, no more pain. So we need to allow the joy and the excitement and the revelation and the reality of all that he has done for us come upon us and set us free from the idea that worship is this or this or this and begin to allow the joy that is within us because of what he's done to come out. And you don't have to worship like everybody else. But friends, let worship pour out of you for him. Amen. He's worthy and he has given us everything. And what Jesus did as he turned to the woman, did you notice at the beginning when she did what she did Weeping and washing his feet. He didn't look at her in that time. It was her moment to come to him. It was her moment to to get before him. And to pour out the sin and pour out the struggle. But then Jesus. Instead of turning to the Pharisee. He turned to her. And he spoke to the Pharisee. But he turned to her. And friends understand a woman like that. For a religious person. Of that old day to look at him. Look at her in the face. Was something you're not supposed to do. He redeemed her. By turning and looking at her. And he began to speak over her. You and and I'm in your house. And you do nothing. But she wept over my feet. You did not give me oil for my head. But she has poured perfume 
on my feet. You did not greet me with a kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since she came in. And he turned to her and said, your sins are forgiven. You see, my friends, God not only forgives us of our sins, but he redeems our life. When we are saved in Christ, we are not still, we're not out on parole from jail. And if we fail, we go back. Friends, you are set free. The price is paid. Your record is wiped clean. And you are redeemed. You are given a brand new life to serve Him. And let it come out in your worship. Let it come out in your praise. Let it come out out there. So that when you come together as a church, instead of the band having to get you through the first song, and come on people, maybe about halfway through the second song, some people are in, and by the third song we're ready, but it's time to sit. We come in and we're ready to worship and we're ready to praise. And the band's like, wait, wait, we don't have our instruments yet. Hold on. And the people begin to worship and the people begin to praise. And it begins to take hold of God's people. Because that's the kind of worship he deserves. And if we are captivated by who he is and by what he's done, that's the kind of worship that comes out of us. Amen? Some of you are like, oh, I don't know about this guy. The word worship... And the dictionary is described as extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to an object of esteem. I don't know what your definition of extravagant is. But to me, extravagance is giving and giving and giving and pouring out and doing everything we can to overflow what we have. Worship needs to captivate us again. Turn with me one more, one more scripture. I've got to wrap up here. Romans chapter 12. Boogie, Boog decided to give me the, one of the biggest subjects. I said, 25 minutes, go. But we'll try and land with this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, and it's talking, when the word therefore comes, it means... Based on everything that was just said, this is our conclusion. And what we've talked about before, this is what Jesus has done, the fact that we are knit into God's body. And again, we've talked about the incredible salvation He's given us. So therefore, because of all of this, I urge you, and Paul uses very passionate words, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done, in view of Jesus' sacrifice, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Because this is your spiritual act of worship. Friends, worship is not just songs. Worship is not just a meeting. Worship is the life we live for Him once we've been saved. We worship Him out there. We worship Him when in our workplaces we go to our day-to-day jobs and at times we feel like they're mundane, but we do everything that we can unto Him. We work hard. We work diligently. We pray for the people around us. We look for opportunities to share His love and His grace at our workplaces because He put us there as a representative of Him. And that's worship. We get up in the morning a little bit earlier or we go to bed a little bit later at night because we want to spend time reading His Word because we want to know the one that saved us. We want to spend time, God, teach me about you. And when you open the Bible and read, it's worship. And we spend time, we put time aside so that we can pray for our marriages because, friends, if you don't, you better. We pray for our kids. We pray for our church. We pray for those who lead our church. We pray for our community. We pray for one another. All of those things are worship 
unto Him. And when you get up and you, and you put aside things that you're struggling with and you come before Him, it's worship. Your life is laid down is worship before God. Every day, every moment, every hour. Does that make sense? Joy, I, I love the fact that this is not worship by itself. Because if it's all up to these guys, what if they have a bad day? Well, well, so much for worship this week. God's still worthy. And by the way, you did an outstanding job. Love the style, love the heart. But friends, the joy of our worship is its life. It's life. And when we come from a week of worship out there, and we come from a week of God using us and us praying and in His Word and praying for people and trusting Him, and we get up early on a Sunday morning so we have time to pray and to read, not because you're a preacher, but because you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God, and He's called you to great things. You get up early and you come on a Sunday, and you know what? Meeting starts at 9.30, but I'm there at 9. Because not only do I want to help, but I can't wait to worship. And I'm worshiping. And the guys are up here practicing, and you're up here... Brett, he was here worshiping the whole time. I love that. It's like he's sitting before the fountain of God going, give me more of you. That's what God wants from us. He doesn't want it to be a few songs to preach, a nice city, a donut, and head out, and we go back to life. Friends, worship, come together, encourage each other. There's going to be days when you are overwhelmed. And you can get around those who at the moment are not. And as you bring your worship and they bring theirs, it lifts the church to a higher place. And then when, when Booger, whoever's preaching, comes and brings God's word, that word is planted in soil that's ready. And that word is not, oh, have a nice day. That word is, this is what God has for his church. Go and worship him out there by telling people about him. Some of you are, yeah, and some of you are like, uh-oh. I'll finish with this. When we come together, and this is what you as a church are on a journey and understanding what God's church, God's community is supposed to look like. And worship being one of those key elements. The point of worship and what happens when you come together like this is it exalts God first and foremost. And He's worthy to be exalted. He's worthy to be praised. The people who walk through and walk past need to hear the church worshiping God. Not looking inward, not just about us, but honoring Him. Worship humbles us. Because when we're lifting Him up, we're not lifting ourselves up. When we're putting aside our struggles to look to heaven, friends, we're putting ourselves in the right place. Worship adjusts our perspective. Because when you're declaring that He's the God who's overcome sin and death, your financial struggles, your physical struggles, your relational struggles begin to take the right place. And instead of having prominence in your life, my life's terrible, you begin to declare, but God's bigger. And your life goes where it should. But God's bigger, but God's bigger, but God's bigger, but God's vast, but God's able. And everything about this life takes its rightful place before the King of Kings. But you see, if we don't know to lift Him, then the things we lift are the wrong things. And when we come together like this, we lift up the King. We lift up who He is, what He is, what He can do, what He will do. And everything in our lives begins to take the rightful place. Worship brings encouragement into God's people and helps us to regain a right perspective. Isn't that good news? We need some of that, yes? People need to walk in the church and be surrounded by that. 
Worship also. And you'll have to spend your time in the Scriptures, but I think I need to put it out there. Worship, worshiping God, is also a spiritual act. So it also drives out spiritual forces that are ungodly from the church, from the community, from your lives. When true worship is happening, those who could be possessed by demons, and it's not just a biblical thing, it's a real thing, can be delivered because of His presence. Those of you tormented by things from the enemy, those things can be driven out as we worship the King. We need to understand worship is so much more, so much more than a few songs when we get on with things. For this church, one of the great things you guys are great at is family. I love coming here as I said, and I watch the announcements and everything. It's a great place because it's informal, it's family, it's real, it's humble, it's caring. And as you guys care for each other, let God transition this church to a place that also has a right view of Him, a right view of ourselves, worships and praises Him together. That you come early, not because I said so or because Boog said so or because it's in the bulletin, but you come because you want more of God. Make it easy on the guys who are leading the music to just come in and basically join in with the crowd rather than the crowd joining in with them. And let worship become everything that God has called it to be. God wants freedom in His church. And one of the key areas is worship. If you in your exuberance for Him want to lift your hands, then lift your hands. If you in exuberance and excitement for what He's done, if God has given you a job you've asked for or healed someone of cancer or saved your marriage or those things, I think it's worth a little jig. Isn't it? We get taught this, uh, worship Him. He's worthy. Let the joy begin to overtake the church so that those outside the church say, I want some of that. We're trying to be like them. They need to want to be like us as we try to be like Him. Make it easy. Make it joyful. Make it exciting. Bring friends and say, you got to see these crazy, joyful, happy people. Are they all perfect? No, they're all struggling just like you, but they have Jesus. It's much easier to invite people to come into joy, into life, into the presence of God than into just church. Amen? Our prayer for you will be that worship and the culture of worship begins to invade this church, bringing freedom both to you and to this community. That as you guys worship on Sundays, it'll pour out those doors and all these paddle boarders and all these guys out here that all of you look at and go, boy, I wish they were going to church. They'll begin to feel his presence, feel your joy, be touched by him, and they'll too be drawn into his kingdom. It's contagious. I pray that we get, get the illness of worship. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's pray for us quick and then Tyler can take us deeper. Lord, thank you so much that this isn't now another law. If we don't do it this way, you're mad at us. Lord, you love us. And whether we're a child that comes hesitantly, shyly, and just stands and looks at you, or a child that runs up and jumps into your lap, you welcome both. And so my prayer this morning over this church is that freedom come. Freedom from religion, freedom from fear, freedom from other people's opinions, freedom even from the things we were raised in that weren't of you. And I pray that worship, true worship together begins to take place. Exuberance begins to take place. Joy begins to fill this place. Unity begins to take place. Your presence begins to be felt in greater measure. And the Lord, not just on a Sunday, but every day, the branches will begin to reach out into the community. The branches will begin to bring life to the far ends of this city and the cities around us. That this branches will truly worship the King. 
In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Let's praise him.